Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. And we are part of the plan of God today because we are those who name the name of Jesus Christ. For all of you who will be confirmed this morning, not only do I want to congratulate you, but I hope you begin to understand the importance of what it means to be confirmed in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to talk this morning about a story from back in the book of Exodus about a baby that was born as well and dedicated to God, and that was Moses. And as you look at the life of Moses, I think you can see how the plan of God comes together despite what the rest of the world is thinking or doing. That when God decides to move or do something, God is going to win in the end. At the time that Moses is born, it is not a good time to be a child of God. They are slaves in Egypt. They cannot make any decisions on their own. And in fact, not only are they, are they slaves working hard, but it has gotten to the point that Pharaoh so resents them and hates them and doesn't like the way they are beginning to multiply and grow that he put an order out that every boy child born would be put to death the minute he came into the world. Now, if you know that you're going to have a child... And the minute that child is born, it's going to be murdered. You know that you've got a problem. And this is not the time to bring children into the world because you know that life is just not something that they are going to experience. Because as soon as they're born, they're going to be put to death. But Moses had parents that didn't seem to worry about that. And in Exodus 2, starting in verse 1, The story goes this way. It says, Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. But when she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the river bank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. What a time to bring a child into the world. But you know, Moses' parents believed in something. They believed that the God they served was greater than anything that was happening in the world at that time. Didn't matter who Pharaoh was. Doesn't matter how strong the gods of Egypt were. Didn't matter what the culture was like. It didn't matter to them about any of that. They were going to bring life into the world because they understood life was truly a gift from God. And that life could be protected by God, regardless of what was going to happen in the world. They believed God was going to use this child. And so they put him into God's hands, knowing 
It didn't matter what the future held for the rest of them. If God was going to watch over that child, they believed that Moses would be able to survive and no one would put him to death. And that's exactly what happened. They hit him for three months and he wasn't put to death. When he got too big to really be hidden anymore, they decided they needed to do something to help him live even longer. So she put him in a basket down the river, knowing that God would guide that basket and he would be put in the place where God wanted him to be put. But not only did she understand, and both his parents understand, the the gift that life is, I think the real faith they showed and the belief they had in the God they served was in the fact that they could follow the word of God even when it seemed like following the word would be the worst thing that you could do. Because every Hebrew baby boy that was born was supposed to be circumcised on the eighth day. And when they were circumcised on the eighth day, that marked them as being part of the covenant, belonging to God, Jehovah, and being a Hebrew. The Egyptians did not circumcise their males. And so immediately, everyone would be able to see that who he was and that he was different. Now, you would think if you were going to give him up, put him in a basket, send him down a river, knowing he's probably going to be picked up by fellow Egyptians, that you might want to pass him off as an Egyptian. Because then maybe they would treat him better. Maybe they would understand, oh, this is a baby I could adopt. He could, you know, be one of our family. Everyone knew what Pharaoh had said about the babies that were born to the Israelites. To to keep one of those babies and try to raise it would be to bring Pharaoh's wrath on your own family. Wouldn't it just be better if you just pretended he was an Egyptian baby and you just sit him down the river hoping whoever found him would pick him up and make him part of their family. But Moses' parents didn't see it that way. They knew he belonged to God, and so they marked him for the covenant, and they marked him for God. And when they put him in that little basket and sent him down the river, they didn't worry about who was going to find him or what was going to take place because they knew God was watching over him. And they believed that God would take care of him. So sure enough, when Pharaoh's daughter, the wealthiest people in the whole land, picked him up, it says she looked at the, in the baby and, and he was crying and her heart went out to him. But what was the first thing that came out of her mouth? This is a Hebrew baby. How did she know he was a Hebrew baby so quickly? Because he'd been circumcised. He was marked. And she knew it. But somehow that didn't matter to her. She was going to raise this baby, and she was going to take care of him and make sure he had a good life. You see, when you know God's in charge, and you truly believe that he will take care of the future, then you don't have to worry about what the future holds, because you know everything is in God's hands. All of you sitting in front of me this morning are here. Because your parents are like Moses' parents. There are always people in every generation who make the claim that 
We shouldn't have any more kids because life is just too, too bad anymore. And you'll hear people say all the time, oh, I feel sorry for kids growing up in this generation because look around at all the things that are happening. It just seems like everything's getting worse and it's getting harder and harder to, to live right and to be protected. And it just seems there's so many things going on. Well, it's always been like that. And if we're going to be afraid of the future and afraid of the culture and afraid of the world, we'll probably never have any kids. But if you believe God holds the future and that he is the giver of life, then you don't worry when a child comes into the world because you know God holds them in his hands. And he will equip them for whatever is going to happen in their future because God knows exactly what it's going to be. Moses had the gifts and tools he would eventually need in order to deliver the Israelites from bondage. And everyone born today that's a child of God is equipped by God in their own unique way to fulfill the call of God on their life, whatever that may be. You've been given the gift of life. And just like Moses was marked, you have been marked as well. Because your parents have brought you to the understanding that to know Jesus Christ is the best thing that can happen to you in life. When you were water baptized, your heart was circumcised. And that meant you have a mark, that you belong not to the old covenant, but to the new covenant. And you are a child of God. Moses would spend some time trying to figure all that out. But eventually he would come to the conclusion he couldn't run away from God. He couldn't do what he wanted to do. He couldn't be an Egyptian Even though he tried, he belonged to God's people. And to fulfill the call of God on his life was the best thing that he could possibly do. Each one of you has been marked for God. The sooner you accept that and let the Lord direct your life, the more blessed your life is going to be. I don't know what all your gifts and talents are yet, and you probably don't know either. But if you let the Lord direct your life, he surely will get you to the place where he wants you to be. And you may be one of those who will challenge your generation. You may be able to stand up and make a difference. Not just in the little circle around you, but maybe in the whole world. You never know. But the Lord is going to use you because you have been given a gift by him. And that is the gift of salvation. This morning we've been talking about what we believe. And we believe that God holds the future. We believe that no matter what happens, everything will work out according to the plan of God. So you can look around and and be despaired. You can say, oh, this is a political year and I don't even know what's going to happen. And whatever you're voting for and not voting for, you can get all crazy about it. Or you can say, the next president's going to be who exactly who the Lord picks. And we are going to be serving God because we belong to God. And if people oppress us, if persecution comes, if problems come, that doesn't matter. Because God will fulfill what he is going to do regardless of what is happening. So we are here this morning to lay hands on these young people 
and confirm them in the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ so that their future is secured in him. Often when we pray a prayer of confirmation, we liken it to that scripture that talks about a tree being planted by the rivers of water. And that means that we are like a tree in that we have been taught the word of God. And if we will allow our roots or our knowledge to go deep into the word of God and build on the foundation that we have just received, we will be able to stand in the future that is ours. Because we can grow like a great tree that'll make it through uh, not only the storms of life, but will be fruit-bearing so that others receive from that tree as well. To know the word of God and to study it, to understand it, to allow the Holy Spirit to direct your life, is to be used by God in a way that impacts others. And it is our prayer this morning that that will happen. That as we pray for them, all that you have learned, all that you have been taught this year, not only will be remembered, but you will be able to build on it in the days ahead as you begin to understand more about the word, more about life, more about your future. And it is a great opportunity as a church to be able, united together, to pray for each and every generation. To know that our future is secure, not because of anything we're doing, but because we believe the Lord holds the future. And so this morning, we are going to be confirming this group of young people, and we are also going to be serving them the Lord's Supper for the first time. So I'm going to ask them now if you will make your way up to the platform, all of you that are in the confirmation class this year, so that the rest of the congregation can see you, can meet you, hear from you. And this is going to be a blessed morning indeed as they come and we are able to confirm them in the sacrament that we call confirmation, the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Won't you welcome them as they make their way to the platform? Good morning. Stay up. (laughs) We've been talking all morning about what we believe. Because what we believe is important. It's important to know not only Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, but to know the Word of God. We've been singing about what we believe. We've been talking about what we believe. And each of these young people behind me, as have all of you that have ever gone through the catechism class, you have learned in a short way to tell everyone what you believe. Because we memorize what we call the Apostles' Creed, which is a summary of the major tenets of the Christian faith. So if anyone ever asks us what we believe, you have a ready answer. And we know if we understand these main parts of doctrine, that when we hear somebody step off the page and go in a different direction, We're able to say, wait a minute, that's not right. That's not what we believe because we know what we believe and you're saying something different. So they are going to tell us this morning what they believe. But I think because it's somewhat hard to hear, we don't have all the mics on them, that you can help them out 
because I know all of you remember the Apostles' Creed as well. But just in case there's a couple people of you here today that don't quite remember it, or maybe you're new and never learned it, it will be on the screen. So you can help out these young people as I ask them now, will you please tell us what you believe? I believe... Suffered under Pontius Pilate. He descended into hell. Third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. Sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He shall come to judge the living and the dead. The Holy Ghost. The Holy Christian Church. The communion of saints. The forgiveness of sins. Amen. Thank you. Not only do we have the opportunity to celebrate the Sacrament of Confirmation this morning, but it's also the opportunity to celebrate the Sacrament of Communion. Because every time that we come together and remember the Lord's death, then we remember why we're here and what it's all about. For those of us that have made Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we know that our sins have been taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ. But we haven't had our sins taken away just so we can sit here and wait until either we die or he comes. He has a plan and purpose for us. But sometimes in meeting that plan and purpose, life gets in the way, things happen, We get upset with people or we just don't really do what we're supposed to do. So the Bible tells us every time we sit down at the supper, we should examine our hearts, see where we are in the call of God on our life. And if there's anything that is keeping us from being what God wants us to be, that we should talk to him about it. We should settle it. If there's any people that we have issues with, we need to settle it. Because whenever we sit down and remember what the Lord has done for us in his love, that allows us to show the love that we have for one another as well. I'm going to ask the deacons and elders if at this time they will prepare to bring us the Lord's Supper. This is not a closed communion supper, meaning you don't have to be a member of Bethesda in order to partake. But we do ask that you are a member of the new covenant, the body of Christ, that you have had your sins forgiven, uh, have been baptized, and you belong to him. As we pass out the bread first, please take it and hold it, and we will bless it together. It will also be the opportunity for these young people sitting behind me to receive communion for the first time as well. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 these words, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. 
So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That's why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we're being disciplined so we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you, are, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. May the Lord bless you as you take the bread this morning and hold it until we can bless it together. This bread represents the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, the body that he said would be broken for us. It's hard to understand what love is all about when you read the story of Jesus Christ because it seems so foreign to any way we would do things. But in his love and his mercy, he knew a sacrifice had to be made because we could never earn our way to salvation. We could never be good enough to heal the breach that had developed between us and God. Sin had made that happen, and the sin problem had to be taken care of. So Jesus came into the world as a redeemer, the one who would lay down his life as a sacrifice for us, so that through his sacrifice, our sins could be forgiven and we could have a relationship with him because of the grace of God. We could never sacrifice enough to be good enough, but we could be declared righteous because of the gift of grace that happened at the cross. Hold the bread as we bless it together now and ask the Lord in his mercy and grace to be all that it can be to us. Father, we are so grateful for what you've done for us that you would lay down your life for us, that you would allow your body to be broken for us. And you did that because you loved us, because you knew that unless you did that, there would simply be no way for us to be reconciled to you. But you made the way, and we have been reconciled to you. And I thank you for all of these young people sitting behind me this morning, Lord, who have been reconciled to you through Jesus Christ. They have understood the importance of the cross. They have confessed their sins. They have put themselves into your hands. And they know that you have saved them. And for each one of us here today, Lord, we say thank you for the gift that you have given us in your grace, for the way that you have made. And as we take this bread this morning, may it indeed bless us as together we remember your sacrifice. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. God bless you as you take the bread. This cup represents the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I can remember back to the day I was sitting on the platform at 12 years of age, taking communion for the first time. That's been a while now. But I can still remember it. And the many, many times, of course, that we've taken the communion supper since then. But every time you take it and stop to pause and remember what it's all about, it indeed is a cup of blessing. 
because we are blessed because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. For over 30 years, I taught the class that's sitting behind you, not this particular class, but catechism classes. And the amount of time we spent on communion and talking about the blood of Christ and everything, God is faithful in every single year, every single generation to save, to justify, to, to gift us, to use us. And it's amazing how you can look back over the years and see how the Lord directs your steps even when you're not aware of what is happening. It's kind of a bittersweet communion today, though. This is the last communion of the youth catechism class that I will be doing. It's bringing an era to a close. Not of catechism, because of course that's going to keep going on because we still need every generation to know Christ. But it passes on to others to teach and others to bless and others to be part. Because God's word is going to keep going until he returns. And then a new heaven and new earth are going to be set up. And we're going to be with him through all eternity. That's what this cup represents. That's what it's all about. And, and you should get excited every time you are able to come to a communion service and know you are here because the Lord brought you here. He chose you. You didn't choose him. And the grace and the bless of his blood shed for us has allowed us to have a relationship with him that we could never have on our own. And when you belong to the covenant, when you belong to Christ, you belong to the best thing you could ever belong to. And that's the church of Jesus Christ. He's coming back for us. He knows the future. And our future is secured because of what this cup represents, the blood of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us, for your salvation. That your blood was indeed the payment for our sins. So that we could be declared righteous before you. And you are faithful to call in every generation those that you want in your covenant. We thank you for calling us. We thank you for bringing us here. And I ask that your blessing will rest not only on this cup to be a cup of blessing to us today. But it will be a blessing that will continue in each and every life that is here, in the life of these young people, in the life of all of us, Lord, to know that you have plans and purposes for us, and you will use us, and we put ourselves into your hands, knowing the future belongs to you. Bless us now as we take this cup together. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. God bless you as you take the cup. It's my privilege now to introduce to you the instructor of this class who's going to tell you a little bit about it and then we are going to hear from some of the students sitting behind me to tell you what the Lord has done in their life because it is always inspiring to know what the Lord is doing. So won't you welcome at this time the instructor Beverly Werman who's going to not only introduce them but tell us about the class. Thank you. Great. Good morning. Thank you for coming to our family party. This is an exciting morning for all of us. It's been my privilege to teach youth catechism for the last eight years, um, but I don't 
have to, to bear the responsibility alone. I do have a team that works with me. So uh, this year I just need to introduce them, them quickly to you. So Brittany Flowers is down front. She's on traffic control and event planning and anything else that we ask her to do. Um, and the rest of the staff is up here. My husband, Will, David and Sheila Kennedy, and Michael and Veronica Choir. They do the small group leading, they do the administration, and anything else that needs to be done. So uh, please thank them with me for all that they've done this year. I just want to give you a quick overview of what the, the students behind me have learned this year that we have gone through since September looking always at what is the word of God, why can we trust it, how do we know that it is absolutely factual, because this is the foundation on which we build all of our beliefs, the things that, uh, that Rob was referencing earlier. What is it that we believe? Who do we believe? How do we know that it's true? So we always begin with the word of God, that it is absolutely accurate and trustworthy. From the word of God, then we can learn what is the nature and character of God. Who is he really? Not as how is he portrayed in the culture, because we'll get all sorts of bad information from, from those sources. We always look to the word of God to find out what is true. There's evil in the world. Sadly, we've had to learn that. But we are equipped with the armor of God. We can see in the word of God how he has done that for us. How did God make the world? How did sin enter the world? What happened with Noah and the flood and the Tower of Babel? Where did the different nations come from? You can find all of that in the word of God. And then trace through the Old Testament, who are God's covenant people? What are the covenants that God has made with his people? Does he continue to keep those covenants? How, are those, how is he faithful to those things? And from there, then, we went through and we looked at the Ten Commandments again. God said them. Why are they still relevant? Has God's truth changed or is God's truth unchanging? So we go through and look again as, at the commandments because they are life-giving commandments. These, God tells us over and over again that there are, there's sin in the world and if you partake in these things, then, then death will come. So we go through and we look at the Ten Commandments saying, these things are poison. Stay away from them, people that idolatry it will poison you. We need to make sure that we honor the name of God, that we honor our parents, that we honor the Sabbath, that we honor marriage, that we honor truth, that we honor working for a living, and we honor contentment by not coveting what other people have. If we participate in those things, they are poison to us, and the kids now understand those things. But once we've defined what sin is, like, well, now what? Obviously, we need a savior, and then we go through and we look at the birth and ministry of Jesus. Who is he? What is he like? How did he fulfill all of the Old Testament prophecies? What happened on our walk to the cross? What is repentance? We practice doing the change of mind, heart, and direction as God shows us what our sin is and how desperately we need to be saved from those things. We moved on to water baptism, the circumcision of heart, and how the Holy Spirit meets us there. How does the Holy Spirit pray through us? How does he enable us to serve more powerfully? How does he help us to be witnesses for him? And then we looked again at leading and serving. How does foot washing teach us how to serve others? What is greatness really like in God's kingdom? We can see in, in our public arena what leadership is called and how leaders are demonstrated. And Jesus says, it's not like that in my kingdom. In my kingdom, we lead by serving. 
Uh, what happens when we die? We talked about that a bit this morning, talking about resurrection, the sacraments of communion and confirmation. What is prayer? What happens with anointing with oil? And lastly, we talked about belonging in the church and also all the things that the kids have covered this year. Now, this morning, obviously, we're here for confirmation. And at this, this time of the year, this is also a, a season for many other rites of passage. We, we were attending a college graduation yesterday. It, it, it was a very nice ceremony. Lots of pomp and circumstance and the faculty all in their, their fancy outfits and all that but what happens at a college graduation is simply a, an, an ending and, and a well-deserved congratulations for a job well done for the, the hundreds of students that were there. What happens today is different. When the diplomas were awarded yesterday, and lots of applause, it's an ending of a season of learning, launching into uh, the work world or perhaps into graduate school as the students go in different, different areas. What happens up here today is we pray. And there wasn't any prayer yesterday at Oakland University. It was a very nice ceremony, but there wasn't any prayer. But today, as we lay our hands on the kids and we pray for them and we invite God back into the situation again and say, God, you are faithful establish your kids, establish your people in your church and ground them with your faithfulness in order that they can serve in your kingdom. What we're doing today is far more than just graduation. It is something beyond that because we invite God in and he brings changes on the inside and it's not just all the the beautiful stuff that we're doing on the outside. This group here it's funny because the uh, all the different groups have different personalities. This group here is is friendly. They talk a lot. It's not a bad thing. Uh, some of the groups are very quiet, and trying to get them to ask questions or, or talk about things is like pulling teeth. That was not an issue with with these people. Um, they're very friendly. They're outgoing. They're willing to participate. And when we did the banquet last week, uh, they had all sorts of great talent. We had gymnastics. Do you know you can do backflips for God? <laughs> Some people can. I cannot. Um, but we had, we, had, we, had, uh, we had music. We had flute solos. We had vocal solos. We had piano. We had an oil painting, which was just tremendous. And people being able to share their talents in, in God's house. But what they have learned, not only in doing those things, but this what we've done for the last several months is this is the, the boot camp. This is the training for the next generation of, of soldiers, of warriors. Because we are in a real battle. And, and what they are now, they've been taught to do, then they get to go out and practice. I'm just going to read to you from Ephesians 6 as we look and see how God has, what God has called us to do at the beginning part of Ephesians, Paul talks with the church about all the ways that we've been enriched through Jesus Christ, all of the things that have been established in the heavenly realms, all the things that are ours in Christ Jesus. And now that we belong, he spends the next three chapters talking about how do we behave now that we're in God's house. And at the end of that, the whole um, book, he says to the church, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Then we have to get dressed for battle. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this is the crucial part. The kids have memorized this. But this is, and pray in the spirit, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And when they have to memorize the, uh, the armor of God and go through and do it, and I say, okay, that last verse part, what does that mean? And they go, uh, I, I don't know. You just told me to memorize it. What do you mean I have to? What does it mean about praying at the end? How, should you, how often should you pray? Uh, a lot, yes. Who do you pray for? Everybody. Just for big stuff? No, no, it says all kinds of prayers and requests. And yes, and we pray for all the saints on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests all the time because an army of one doesn't do much. But as they are dressed for battle and remember to pray for me and pray for their fellow students and for their family and for their friends and for the other people around them, then we can do great things for God and advance his kingdom. So I want to introduce to you some of my young friends. The first one, um, this, is, this is the young lady that can do backflips. Um, she's not very big on the outside, but she's huge on the inside. She's a gymnast, and she is compassionate. She's also very bright. Not only did she do all of the required memory work, she did all 11 pieces of the extra credit memory work. She's a smart girl. So please welcome Gracie Piper as she comes to give her testimony. My name is Gracie. One year ago, I was in Kings Island, looking forward to Kings Island. I was right. I knew I would grow spiritually with God, and hey, I also grew three inches. Some of the main things I I learned are water baptism, foot washing, and the biggest thing is being able to turn and talk to God about anything. During baptism, when I came out of the water, I felt an automatic cleanse in my heart. Like when you come in from outside and you're all muddy. You take a shower and you can feel it coming off. Skipper Bob, one of the children up in Kings Island, said the water would be cold. He was wrong. It's really warm. During foot washing, I learned to serve others and take the dirty job. I washed everyone's feet. Everyone said that it was not gross. I didn't believe them. But I was wrong. It's not. When I was praying, half the time I didn't know what I was saying. The Holy Spirit was praying through me. The biggest thing I learned was being able to turn to talk about anything to God. With any prayer request on any occasion. The parties were a lot of fun. I held the record for eating the most cookies. I think one time I actually ate seven cookies. All the parties were super awesome. 
I encourage anyone that is thinking about taking catechism to join. Your spiritual relationship with God will grow. I know mine did. I want to thank Mr. and Mrs. Warman, Mr. and Mrs. Choir, Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy, and Ms. Brittany. I also want to thank my family, and especially my dad, for making me get all my extra kind of, all my memory work done. All my memory work. Thank you. Um, our, our next speaker is a, uh, a fine young man. He's, uh, he listens intently, and he asks really good questions in class. He's also a scholar. He did the extra credit memory work as well. And, and even when I asked him to do things that he thought were unpleasant, some of the games, he'll talk about it in his testimony when he was playing stuff. He's like, I don't know if I want to do this. But he did it anyway. He's a really good sport. Uh, and he speaks well, too. So please welcome Jack Susan as he comes. Catechism was the highlight of my year. I had a very fun time getting to know my friends and meeting new friends. In catechism, my relationship with God grew stronger as I learned more about him and the Bible. I have repented of my sins, been water baptized, and now I understand what God has done for me. On Repentance Sunday, we started the day with a worship service and a lesson taught by Mrs. Warman on repentance. After the lesson, we had prayer time. My small group leader, Mr. Kennedy, prayed over me for repentance. While Mr. Kennedy was praying over me, I could feel God already working on my heart, washing away my sins. I felt like a new person, and I knew God was working in me. I am now forgiven and walking with Jesus as a new person. Baptism Day was also special for me. When I was baptized, my old nature was cut away, and I was given a new one. Before I got baptized, I prayed for the Holy Spirit to give me a new nature. When I came up out of the water, I felt clean inside. My old nature had been cut away. After baptism, the elders prayed over us. When I went up to the altar, my dad started to pray for me. I started crying because I was so happy Jesus was in my heart. I am amazed by his love for me. My most favorite part of catechism was the parties. The games were so much fun. My favorite game we played was Food Fear Factor. I had to eat two spoonfuls of gross orange stuff, guacamole, and raw mushrooms. I surprised myself because I don't like to try new things, but I wasn't too surprised that most of it came back up. The best... The best part of the parties was getting closer to my friends. Foot washing taught me about serving others. God has changed me from seeing foot washing as being a weird thing, but as a nice and humbling sacrament. It was a very humbling experience to wash others' feet and to have them wash mine. I have learned the importance of serving others and serving at my church. Before taking catechism, there are things I really didn't know or understand about God or the Bible. Now I have a better understanding. Thank you, Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy and Mr. and Mrs. Warman, for teaching us each week, and Mrs. Brittany for planning great parties, and last but not least, Mr. and Mrs. Choir. Thank you. <laughs> Told you it was a good sport. I also don't, don't edit their work. Um, I would have taken out the part about his lunch. 
they're their testimonies. I, I don't polish them up. This is, this is their stories, not mine. Lastly, I have one more student that I'd like to introduce to you, and she's a thinker. Um, doesn't mean that she doesn't feel, but she thinks and she's very studious about God's word and asks insightful questions. She's also a pretty good musician. And, and uh, Gracie mentioned it, and some of the other girls have talked about it in other testimonies that we heard at the banquet. But as the uh, as we were working on foot washing, several of the students were saying, now I know what it's like when God prays through me, because they were they were telling us that it's like, I don't usually talk that way, and I'm praying for things I never would have thought of. What is that all about? It's like, that is the Holy Spirit, and that's what intercession is like. And this young lady is an intercessor. So please welcome Anna Frizzi. My name is Anna Frizzi, and I will be sharing my testimony today. At the beginning of catechism class, I thought I would know a lot of the lessons that Mrs. Warman would be teaching us. So you'd ma- I've grown up in a Christian home, so you could imagine my surprise when I learned something that I thought I already knew. I have learned the unique love and faithfulness of the Lord through this catechism class. Also, I learned about the gifts of the Holy Spirit water baptism, the sacrament of foot washing, and the sacrament of communion. When I was baptized, I felt carefree and light. The the feeling did not come right away, but it came when I watched my friend get baptized also, and when I saw all the people in my catechism class being happy because the Holy Spirit had come to them. Acts 2.38 says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit for all of the different people in my group while washing their feet it was not out of my comfort zone at all i felt like the lord helped me pray more from the sacrament of foot washing john thirteen fourteen says now that i your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also also should wash one another's feet i really take that verse to heart Finally, I would like to thank the Lord for the many blessings that I have. I'd like to thank Mr. and Mrs. Choir, Mr. and Mrs. Kennedy, my small group teachers, for letting me speak out my my thoughts out loud and for all of their advice. I'd like to thank Mr. and Mrs. Warman and Miss Brittany for teaching us all of the lessons that I have learned in catechism. And lastly, I'd like to thank my parents for bringing me up in a Christian household where they teach me the Bible. Thank you for listening. God bless. Alrighty, thank you again for joining us and in our celebration. Um, and I think we're going to be praying for the kids. Thanks again. At this time, I'd like to ask the presbytery to make their way to the platform. That was, it will be our privilege to lay hands on these young people and confirm them in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Congregation, may I ask you to stand as you join us in prayer as we take this opportunity to lay hands on them and pray together. Our gracious God and our Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to be able to pray and bless and lay hands on this group of young people this morning. Lord, you are indeed faithful. 
You are faithful in every generation. And I ask you that you would indeed plant them like a tree by the rivers of water. Lord, what they have learned this year. May their roots go down into your word. And in the years ahead, may their knowledge build on that word of God so that that word becomes a part of their life. Lord, we know in the days and years ahead, they will be making many, many decisions, not only about their own lives, but the direction that they are taking into their own futures. Lord, may they understand that to make the decisions based on your word will always lead to blessing. And even though the path may seem to go in a different direction or they may not understand it, that, Lord, they will hold true to your word. And indeed, may their roots not only go down deep in their word, but, Lord, may they grow to be fruitful trees, those that bear much fruit for your kingdom. May they be excited to know that you are their God. May that excitement be infectious to others, Lord, who will come and ask and want to know why they're different, why they seem to take a different path in life. And may they be able to introduce many to who you are and that you will become their Lord and Savior as well. Lord, we know that you have put gifts and talents in each one of them. And I ask now as they are growing and developing that those gifts and talents would be made known to them, to their families, to the church, to the, those around them. Lord, that you have created them with the talents that you have put into their lives. And may they begin to learn how to use them for your kingdom so that they will be blessed indeed. Lord, we don't know the future. We don't know where you'll take each and every one of them. But, Lord, I ask that they will always know that you are with them, that you will never forsake them, that you will never leave them, that even if they make the wrong choices, you will always be there for them. You will always hold on to them. Because you said no one could pluck out of your hands those that you own, those that belong to you. So, Lord, we ask now as we pray, united together as a presbytery, united together as a church, that your blessings will rest upon each and every one of them, that your Holy Spirit will guide their steps, that you will keep them through whatever storms life may throw their way, that they may have that assuredness of faith to know that you are their God, you are their Savior, you are their Redeemer. They belong to you. And so, Lord, now we just put them once again into your hands. Ask for your blessing, your guidance to be upon their lives. Bless the families, Lord, that have brought them to the class who have enabled this instruction to take place. May your Holy Spirit work together in each and every family represented here this morning, Lord. And we just ask your blessing upon them. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Will Warman. I'm the administrator of the Youth Catechism Department, and I have the privilege of announcing each of the students individually as they step forward to be recognized. So if you would, please hold your applause till the end. Gracie Piper. Ariana McIntyre. 
Anna Frizee. Caroline Schlaff. Sydney Peck Kaliba. Jamie Parker. Kennedy Jones. Mia Mixon. Reagan Bellinger. Dominic Tart. Sawyer Andra. Eric Hutare Jr. Jack Susan. Stefan Lipsky. Alex Isho. Colton Jones. Carl Tracy Williams II. And David Esquivel. You will be able to offer your congratulations to these young people after the close of the service because they will be meeting in the crystal room, which is out the door and to the left, and you are all invited to a reception there to see them. So I'm going to ask again if you will stand as we bring our service to our close. This is the first Sunday of the month, and always on our first Sundays of the month in our communion services, we take what we call our dollar offering, which is just the opportunity for all of us to give a little to our benevolence fund so that we are able to help those in our congregation who may be facing a financial difficulty, may have a problem with meeting a bill, and we are able to reach out and help each other through times of need, as the Bible instructs us to do. So if you can participate in that, you have a dollar or something else you want to give, if you'll just pass it down to the ends of your aisles, the uh, ushers will be coming forward and they will receive it. And I thank you for it, as is the opportunity, indeed, uh, to bless those. As the Lord blesses us, we bless each other. These services are great times to be together. And I hope as you see the young people uh, today and as you take the opportunity to go and meet them over in the dining room and offer your congratulations, that you will continue in the days and months ahead to pray for them. We know that we live in difficult times. But we know our God is able and our God is faithful. And if we continue to pray, he will guide and direct their steps. Yesterday here at the church was our monthly prayer meeting. What a great turnout we had and what a great prayer meeting we had. And we prayed for this class, that the Lord would indeed give them a sound mind in the days ahead. And may they always know that the Lord is with them. And when you can feel the Holy Spirit in your midst and know that he is praying with you and that this is a truth we can hold on to, then you know that whatever difficulty it may be having getting to a class to week after week commit, the Lord is faithful and it is worth it because he keeps us in the days ahead. 
So it is my great opportunity now to bless you in the name of the Lord as we go into his grace and ask his blessing upon us in the days ahead. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.